0: Welcome. Welcome in to Sports Talk Chicago. All gas, no brakes. If you're looking for the same old Sports Talk. Get out! (laughs) You've come to the wrong place. Hey, we ain't come this far just to come this far, you hear me? I tell you what I see, I tell you the truth. We going hard today. We're fearless, bold, and highly opinionated. This air show. This show is so hot right now. The biggest guests, the hottest takes, and the best interviews live right here. Do you actually remind me of Dan Patrick? Because you ask great questions. You have the knack, you have the gift. On Sports Talk Chicago. Yo, Chicago. Here's your host. The guy's an absolute stud, John Zagul. Everybody, welcome into sports on Chicago great to see everybody here with us big day after the draft we're gonna recap everything with you John Meadows is here directing and producing we're presented by our good sponsors Amish Country Farms for the best Amish food in all of Chicagoland and of Amish Country Farms today Mother's Day pie order form out right now if you want custom Amish pie to celebrate your mother your grandmother other people in your lives Make sure you get that order in now. Give them a phone call or head on into the store. Tell them Sports Talk Chicago sent you. That order form is closing soon, so make sure you check them out. Uh, you can follow us wherever you'd like: Sports Talk Chicago on Facebook, on Twitter, also right here on YouTube. We're live on Twitch, Facebook, and YouTube. All at Sports Talk Chicago. You can find me personally at John Z Sports all over the place. And it is a big day, as I said. NFL draft is coming, gone. What have the Bears done? What? They're great. What about their picks? Should they have taken Jalen Carter? The nonsense has been going crazy. We're going to straighten everybody out in just a second. Plus, later, don't want to miss it. And it seems like it's happening every week. The White Sox continue to get worse and worse. If you want to hear my rant on the situation and hear what I have to say about it, you better stay with us till the end. Um, I have a lot of energy saved up for it. It's been ruminating in my head all week again. And after yesterday's debacle, in which the Sox gave up 10 runs in the seventh inning and route to another loss, they're 7-21. Luis Robert got benched. So much stuff going on there. We will discuss all of it later on in today's program. Now, feel free to comment and stay with us here today. We're going to be reading all comments. We're going to be going back and forth, a nice free flow of interaction and information. What is your reaction to the Bears' draft performance? How do you think Ryan Poles did should they have taken Jalen Carter at 9, or should they, or did they do the right thing in taking Darnell Wright at 10? We want all of your opinions, all your comments. We will address them as things move forward throughout today's program. It's great to see everybody here. One more programming note, too, before we really get started. Uh, Corey and Joey, Corey Wooten, former Bear defensive end, will be back this week as well to recap the draft potentially and should be going up tomorrow in the evening. So make sure you stay tuned to hear what Corey, now, former Bear, has to say about this current Bears team, and how they're going to be looking in 2023. Well, I want to start today with this. I think Ryan Poles did an outstanding job in this year's draft. Very similar to last year. Made a bold move and traded back one spot. Did not take the head case and the problem, Jalen Carter, and took Darnell Wright's smart move. We'll discuss that one in a second. Made some draft day moves on days two and three, which is custom for Poles to do. Added some depth to the team. Still have needs. No edge rusher taken in this draft. No center taken in this draft. But positions that had critical needs were addressed. And other positions in which there was an opportunity to build depth, Poles did too. They drafted a running back late. Drafted a wide receiver late. Drafted a couple of defensive tackles. I'd polls did a great job once more in this NFL draft, and those who say otherwise, I really don't know what more you could have asked for from polls today or this weekend. I don't know what you could have expected. Um, a lot of people are bitter. Saw it all over Twitter Friday morning. <coughs> Why didn't they take Jalen Carter? Why did they keep Carter behind? Who's going to be the better pick, Right or Carter? And we should really start there because that's going to be an ongoing debate throughout this offseason and over the years to come. Who should the Bears have taken? I don't care if Carter does great in the NFL. I don't care if he sacks 20 guys per season and turns out to be this superstar or generational talent. The fact is, I will not blame Ryan Poles for passing on him ever. And you shouldn't either. I saw people asking, why did they pass? Why did they move back? Why did they take some offensive linemen, not a shiny, new, exciting pick? It says the same people are going to complain as to why Justin Fields was sex 60-plus times. Jalen Carter, and I'll say this again, showed up to the combine, 15 pounds overweight, couldn't finish his drills, and, yes, has criminal charges outstanding. okay. Do you really want somebody like that on your team? And we said this before. We said this weeks in advance. The Bears were not going to take him, not because of even his performance. The Bears do not like off-the-field issues. They never have and they never will, even with a new GM, new president. At the end of the day, same ownership, same idea. They're not taking somebody with outstanding criminal stuff, attorney stuff, off-the-field issues. They don't do it. And when it happens, players are cut automatically. Remember Sam Hurd? said this last time. Remember Sam Hurd? Promising young wide receiver gets arrested for cocaine distribution, and all of a sudden, hours later, cut from the team, just got out of prison last year. That was back in 2013. The Bears do not deal with poor choices off the field. Many teams don't. Some do. Eagles do. Good for them. Somebody commented saying, oh, the Eagles are getting richer. You know what? If the Eagles are getting richer and taking Jalen Carter, good for them. Good luck in dealing with whatever is going to happen to them off the field and even on the field with Carter. they got to get him into shape. they got to hope that his criminal charges go away. I mean, there are going to be so many things that they have to invest in to get him better. And the Eagles are willing to do that. Good for them. Bears aren't better for them. The Bears are a growing team. They still have to prove themselves this year and in the years to come. They don't need somebody like that holding them down. They don't need somebody like that in the back of their heads having to worry about it. The Bears are a clean organization. For all the problems that they have, for all the issues that they have organizationally, ownership-wise, problems on the field, not winning too much, they really don't have a problem when it comes to players off the field. A lot of their guys are actually stand-up people. And that's more important than anything, in my opinion. The Bears don't need extra distractions or extra legal issues or extra problems. They're probably spending millions on lawyers trying to get Arlington Heights finalized, as it is. They don't need another player causing them even more of a problem, let alone the, the fact that they're growing, they're going to be a better team this upcoming season, and they need to figure out how things are going to go and be ready to win 8, nine, ten games this year. They don't need Jalen Carter sitting out for games due to suspensions being in jail, potentially, and then having to lose weight and really get after him in regards to being ready for game day. The most wise decision, the most shrewd shrewd decision, the most polls decision was made by Ryan Poles. It was a polls decision. We've gotten to know Ryan Poles a little bit. Hasn't been here long, but we understand tendencies about him. He's very shrewd. Very logical, very wise. Does not jump the gun. Does not go crazy or make impulsive decisions. He's always always willing to wait and listen and learn before he makes a decision. The nerve of some people to complain that they did not get Jalen Carter is ridiculous to me a prominent Chicago sports radio host saying it was the wrong choice or wasn't the choice I would have made. Somebody said, well, how could you be pissed about this? He's like, oh, I'm not mad about Darnell Wright, but it's just not the choice I would have made. But yet that same person is going to complain week one of the season when Justin Fields gets sacked ten times. Can't have it both ways. There were needs on both sides of the football. The Bears did what they should have done, what they did do, protect the quarterback. This is actually a further Referendum and further proof that the Bears love Justin Fields. They decided not to go defense. They decided to neglect defense in the first round because they want somebody to really protect Justin Fields. And they did it. It's an investment in your quarterback. We get this all mixed up sometimes investing in your quarterback's not giving up 200 billion dollars like in Jalen Hurts or Lamar Jackson all the time. Sometimes you show that you're investing in your quarterback by getting in other key pieces that are going to help them improve. Justin Fields' old line was one of the worst in football. They might have been the best at run blocking or the best according to PFF but the fact is Justin Fields got killed and sacked way too many times last year. They needed offensive line help. So what did Ryan Poles do? I believe in Justin Fields. We're not taking a quarterback. We're going to trade back, and we're getting an offensive lineman. There was an investment there in Justin Fields, indirectly. Important to know. Goes to show there's confidence, approval, and praise and expectations for Fields come this year going to be harder for Fields and company and anybody else to say, hey, Fields had no line. No. Hey, Darnell Wright gave up no sacks and eight pressures in all of 2022, plus played left guard and right guard, actually volunteered to move over on the line. True story. How about a team player? How about somebody who you know can protect you? How about somebody who's willing to be competitive and play hard and give results at the same time? I like somebody like that other than Jalen Carter. In fact, it's a character issue, too. Don't right, team player. I'm going to move sides to help out my team. I want to protect my quarterback at all costs. Team guy. Cares about his team. Cares about his quarterback. Jalen Carter, meanwhile, selfish, getting in trouble off the field, and yet that's the guy the Bears should have drafted. Probably going to cost more money, too frankly. What would you have done? (laughs) Seriously, what would you have done? Brian Pauls hit this one out of the park. I don't care what anybody says. You could lament about Jalen Carter all day. I don't want anything to do with him. And the Bears made the right choice in taking Darnell Wright. See what I did there? Right choice, right choice. No pun. No pun intended there. According to PFF, Wright allowed no sacks and just eight pressures in 2022, but going up against some of the best pass rushers in the SEC. In fact, Wright seemed to elevate his game against fierce competition. Now he's going to come in and protect the Bears' most valuable asset, Justin Fields. This was an investment in Fields. <laughs> Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. No, the Bears neglected the center position. That would have been a further investment in Justin Fields. They didn't get an edge rusher. Okay, tough luck, but they did get a particular and important offensive lineman who has a track record of protecting his quarterback. All year long, all of my guests on this show, you heard it all throughout the Chicago sports media landscape, what do the Bears need? Offensive line, what do they need? Build the trenches, what do they need? Protection for Fields. He has it now. Different ways to say it, but everything meant the same. Justin Fields needs time to throw the football. And he can't be getting sacked 60 times a year. Well, here's your answer. And yet for some, apparently it wasn't good enough. Now, you guys call me negative sometimes. Well, I'll tell you what, I was very happy about this pick. For those who weren't or who really wanted Jalen Carter, I ask you why. And why is that a problem even today when this team still improved with a big pick at number 10, not 9? I'm in this for improvement. All of us are. We're in this to see this team improve and get better and not be near the cellar in the NFC North. This pick will help them. And not be flashy or exciting or, oh, who's darn hell right. He is a quality offensive lineman, somebody you could trust and somebody who's going to protect Justin Fields. And if he doesn't, nobody could predict that either, right? If he turns out to be a big flop or a bust, I can't blame Ryan Poles on that. According to tape and numbers, and perception around the league, (laughs) he's a very good player. Nothing else you could say about it. So please, don't worry about the Jalen Carter thing. I, I would advise everybody to move on from it, and look at what the Bears did instead. Look at who they drafted, and look at why they took somebody like Wright. That's exciting. Ryan Poles also said in a press conference this past week that he can't fill all the holes right away. Fair point. Correct point from polls. Can't fill everything right away. Going to definitely take time to get better. I've talked about this a hundred times. You try to stay disciplined, do the right thing, and not panic and do something that's going to hurt us down the road. Paul said we can't fix everything at a high level in one swoop. Bears still have money. Free agency still going on. There are players out there who are unsigned. There are trades that could still be made. This is not over. Yes, they need an edge rusher. Yes, they need a center. Yes, there are other positions on their team that could improve greatly, sure. But through the draft, the Bears actually addressed a lot of issues. A lot of scary things. And Darnell Wright was the first-round pick for a reason because that was the Bears' number one problem. I would rather have a an offensive lineman that's going to be reliable than an edge rusher right now, of the Bears. Why? Justin Fields is your most important asset, an upset. If this was the 2006 Bears, okay, yeah, defense is going to be their important asset. You draft an edge rusher. This is a new team in a new era of football. I have been heard Dave said on the score say, I would have went defense first. That's such an old man mentality. I am an old man, I would know. But that's just such an old man, you know, non-offense first mentality. And that's who the Bears have been for 100 plus years, and that's fine. I, I like the defensive first attitude, but in this case, you have a generational, potentially, quarterback, You have assured him you're not going to move up to take somebody else. You're not going to trade him. You're not going to trade picks to get the quarterback of your choice. You're keeping Justin Fields. So then guess what? You have to invest in him. You have to show everybody that he's going to be the guy. And doing something like this with Wright indirectly says to everybody, hey, Justin Fields is our guy. We need to protect him. We need to show that he is a priority for us and show him that we respect him enough to protect him. Because, frankly... You could argue there was no respect for Justin Fields the past two years. Certainly not with Matt Nagy, putting him in, getting sacked seven times in his debut. Debut game, really. Right? No respect, no care, no worry about protecting him. This is the first time somebody stood up for Justin Fields and said, you know what, we're going to help you out. First time through the draft. Last year, we didn't even see that too much. Polls was... Brought in late, had to really quickly turn it around and drafted a couple of guys. Nobody really worked out amazingly. This year, polls had a full year watching Justin Fields, knew what he needed, and said, you know what, Justin? I'm going to help you. Nobody else has helped you. I'm going to help you. And he did. And that is huge. That should be Celebrated. That should be exciting to every Bears fan. Hey, there's a GM in town who prioritizes the quarterback, who prioritizes offense, who cares a lot about this quarterback's shaping and well-being. Because if Justin Fields doesn't play, this team's screwed. And I like P.J. Walker as a backup, but come on, guys. P.J. Walker versus Justin Fields? Not even close. I love this. And I think Ryan pulls again, Get it out of the park and made this work. Of course, the first round isn't the only round we're going to cover. We're going to go through each pick right now and give you a quick synopsis and an idea of what the Bears did right and did wrong, how this player will fit into the Bears' plans. But I'm touching out Darnell Wright a lot to start, not only because he was in the first round, but because there was so much controversy of should it be Carter or should it be Wright. And I want to make it very clear, at least on my program, all of you watching, we are our Darnell Wright supporter. I never supported Jalen Carter. I don't care what he does in football. doesn't matter to me. The Bears do not have the time nor resources to sit there and cuddle somebody who has so many issues off the field who's immature and who showed up 15 pounds overweight. you got to be ready as an NFL player, as a college player entering the NFL, excuse me, You're not just going to show up, waltz in, and, hey, and top pick. No, that's dumb. That happened to Ryan Leap, to Marcus Russell. How'd that work out for them? Hey, I'm a top pick. I'm so good. Yeah, you're out of the NFL in two years. I'm not saying that's going to happen to Jalen Carter. But if he doesn't learn from his, his mistakes, it may happen. Yes. Why take that risk if you're Ryan Paul's first full year, first full opportunity to draft? Why take a project who may or may not work out? I don't care what his potential is. Too many problems to even justify taking him. The fact that he went at nine is unbelievable to me. Not worth it. So I want to make that very obvious to everybody who's tuning in or just hopping in right now. Dar- Darnell Wright was a good pick. And the Bears passing on Jalen Carter was outstanding. <coughs> <coughs> Go to round two, pick 53. Gerben Dexter, Sr., the Florida defensive tackle, was taken by the Bears. Quote here from Bleacher Nation discussing the pick. Dexter's role figures to be as a one-technique defensive tackle. This is more of a run-stuffer role. But that isn't to say it won't be an important spot to fill. Chicago's defense, the opponents run wild on them all year long, even before the Roquan Smith and Robert Quinn trades. Hopefully Dexter's presence helps plug some of those gaps. He's a big guy, fills a big need to Matt Eberflusi's defense, 6'6", 310 pounds. He can use that size to overwhelm the offensive lineman. And his main trait that's going to help him out, make this team, and probably get time is stopping the run, which, by the way, is a big problem for the Bears. Bears give up 31 rushing touchdowns in 2022 and over 2,500 rushing yards. (laughs) The 31 touchdowns, by the way, Worst in the NFL in 2022. Somebody the Bears gave up. 31 rushing touchdowns. Dexter can stop the run. That does say here from NBC Sports Chicago that Dexter could be slow off the snap, allows blockers to engage him first and neutralize his first move. He only notched four and a half sacks and eight tackles for losses over the past two years at Florida. So here's a work in progress. Here's somebody who needs improvement, who could certainly use it. But the potential is there. The size is there. The athleticism is there. And somebody who's known specifically for stopping the run. And how many times when we did our live broadcast last year did we see players run off 30 yards, run in for a touchdown? The Bears were killed last year because of their horrible run defense. And, in fact, I would argue if their defense on the run was even average, was even mid-level in the NFL, they would have won two or three more games. There were a lot of games they were just run out of. Literally. Their run defense was extremely subpar, and they need improvement on that, and I think Dexter could do that. Obviously, (laughs) his numbers at Florida weren't amazing. Fair enough. Not going to sit here and oversell him to you. I mean, he's a second-round pick and only had four and a half sacks in two years. We don't know what we're going to get out of him. But for somebody who specializes in neutralizing the run game, That is something the Bears need. So I can't say this is a dumb pick or a bad pick by Ryan Poles. It's smart. They need this. And this is also somebody who could grow. And that's what you're drafting for in the draft. It's not always about, hey, what did they do in college? What are they looking like? How good of a prospect are they? It's what's the potential? Where could they grow to? How good could they really be in five years? That's part of the draft. Somebody like this, who already has a good run game stopping presence, who'd grow into a full-blown, great defensive tackle, who could do it all. It's worth a shot in the second round at number 53. And I think he could be playing a significant role this year, especially if he stops the run game. Pick 56, Tyreek Stevenson, cornerback Miami, Florida. Let me do this quote here. Stevenson measures 6 feet and 198 after a college career that saw spent time at Georgia and Miami. Things ended on a high note at the U where Stevenson earned third-team All-ACC honors for the Hurricanes. And last year, Stevenson had two picks, seven passes defended, 25 solo tackles, one-and-a-half tackles for loss. Stevenson gave up 47.2% completion rate in coverage between 2021 and 2022, fifth best across that span, three picks over the last two seasons. So... When the ball was thrown in Stevenson's direction, the completion percentage in college was 47.2%. Outstanding. Fifth best in the nation. According to PFF. According to NBC Sports Chicago, he may have some problem in zone schemes, which is what the Bears played the most at the time. But this is a solid ad. I don't think this is a dumb ad. Number 56, Tyreek Stevenson. That's the big key to me. When you're giving up a 47% completion percentage, you're doing something right. (laughs) He was fifth best in that span, third-team all ACC team member, and, frankly, more numerical statistics than Dexter, Gerben Dexter. Stevenson could play a significant role in the Bears' secondary even right away. Yeah, Jaquan Brisker's there, Kyler Gordon's there. The Bears could still use somebody else back there in that corner position. It says here maybe Kyler Gordon will work on the slot corner position, and this could allow Stevenson to get more time. Whatever they end up doing is fine. He's going to have to learn zone defense and be better at it. But in the interim, he obviously has a track record and has done enough to show that he can be an effective corner in football. Effective in coverage and a fact of it getting the job done, and did it for a couple of years there in Miami, Florida. Smart move by Ryan Poles at number 56. Zach Pickens, defensive tackle, South Carolina, from number 64, round three. Standout defender for the Gamecocks, Pickens had 42 tackles, four tackles for a loss, two and a half sacks last year. and The year prior, Pickens had four sacks and five tackles for a loss. Pickens does stop the run, and that's according to PFF. Doesn't always show up in the box score and has the athleticism to be a serious disruptor. Exciting. And another defensive tackle. They took Dexter at 53. They took Pickens at 64. 11 picks apart, two defensive tackles. Why are they taking so many defensive tackles? Because their run game sucked. Their run defense sucked. That's why. That's why they're doing that. I think Brian Poles doesn't know. They need an edge rusher. Well, they also need somebody who could stop giving up five to six yard runs every single carry from every single team. The Lions drafted a running back. The Lions have three running backs this year now that are solid, including David Montgomery. The Vikings have a couple of running backs. The Packers still do. That's going to be six games out of the year. They need running defense help, they need running defensive help. Somebody like Pickens and somebody like Dexter could do it. And I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying Pickens is going to be a superstar here. 64th overall pick. There has to be caution. But those numbers show that he's capable of doing just that. And According to PFF, again, does things to stop the run that don't always show up in the box score. Serious disruptor as a potential. I could see it. If the Bears work on him and work with him, I could easily see growth. Remember, we're drafting based on growth, not drafting based on he's a superstar in college, he's going to do great here. Because more often than not, there are a lot of superstars in college who have the numbers who never even get drafted. That's a fact. Numbers aren't everything. Potential is where it counts. Somebody like Pickens can work in tandem with Dexter, and both those picks could turn out to be great for the Bears. Bears didn't pick again until number 115, (laughs) and they took a running back, which I loved, Rashawn Johnson from Texas. Apparently, he's compared to Miles Sanders, so that's very exciting. He was the man over at UT for Johnson. It says here, the Bears seemed disappointed. They weren't able to bring David Montgomery back, so they picked a player who could bring a similar skill set to the run game. Johnson is elusive and strong, makes him hard to bring down. Uh, his stats don't pop off the page because he was running mostly behind Bijan Robinson, a player who many believe is the best running back prospect since Saquon Barkley. According to PFF, Johnson's 45% forced miss tackle rate over the last two years leads all running backs in the entire country with at least 190 attempts. Perfect compliment to Khalil Herbert. So <coughs> the Bears chose not to resign David Montgomery. Still not too thrilled about that, I'll tell you. Still not excited about that. I mean, because the the money that Detroit paid him was not significant. The Bears could have easily matched that offer and made something work. They didn't. We move on. Instead, the Bears had somebody like Johnson, going to be a rookie, going to be hungry to work, going to work in tandem with Khalil Herbert, similar skill set to Montgomery. He's going to work. And my hope is that he gets more carries than that bum-ass Running back from Seattle, the Bears signed, who's 800 total yards to his name, and that's what we have to hope for. And they dropped a running back at number 115, and him and Herbert do well, and Herbert's still young, and he's going to be under contract for five years. This running back position could be in stable hands, which is something the Bears needed. And in the fifth round, or you know, number 115, what the hell could go wrong, right? Round four, pick 115. Well, what could go wrong with this pick? The worst thing you could do is have him be a total bust, but really wouldn't even be a bust because he's a fourth-round pick. And yet, the upside with him could be huge. And the Bears needed a running back. They're going to bring in somebody young, similar to David Montgomery, to compliment Khalil Herbert. Who knows? He could even overtake Khalil Herbert. I could guarantee that based on how Herbert does, because I'll tell you what, Herbert is not going to be able to replicate five to six yards per carry on average. It's just not going to happen. Johnson has an opportunity here, if Herbert struggles out of the gate, to even overtake that position. And I'd rather have a fresh set of legs back there, somebody who is a fourth-round pick and has a lot to prove, and someone like Herbert who may struggle, and somebody like the Seattle player that the Bears signed for a one-year deal who has only 800 yards to his name and is mainly a special teams guy. Watch out for Rashawn Johnson. I'm saying that now. I mean, this could be the one pick, in my opinion, that's the complete X factor of the entire draft for the Bears. We know Wright's going to be good. All these other guys we're excited about, but Johnson could make a big impact if he gets the opportunity. No one's talking about him. Barrett is a fourth-round pick. I could see him being very prominent in this Bears offensive scheme if he gets an opportunity. Go to number 133, Tyler Scott, the wideout from Cincinnati. So uh, Scott... Very good. 40-yard dash at 4.39. College defenses saw his speed. Scott caught 54 passes for 899 yards and 9 touchdowns. Second-team All-AAC honors. And Daniel Jeremiah said that Scott reminds him of Darnell Mooney. How about that? (laughs) Scott caught 84 passes for 1,419 yards and 14 touchdowns between 2021 and 2022. How about this, Briscotti played running back in high school, just started to learn wide receiver in 2020, his first year in college. Another X-factor exciting signing that turned, could turn out to be so prolific and impressive. That's exciting. Somebody like Scott, who has these accolades already and has some numbers and is just learning the position. He's essentially a novice to the position. I'll tell you what, he's going to learn great things from D.J. Moore, Darnell Mooney, Chase Claypool, even E.Q. St. Brown, as far as blocking goes. A lot of veterans on this team who are willing to teach, plus the Bears coaching staff. If he gets the opportunity, Scott, I think, could be very impact-making Right away for the Bears. He could make something happen. Between him and Johnson, those two are going to be the biggest X factors offensively. For the Bears, too. I would place some sort of trust in them because you could get away with not going to spend as much money and trusting guys like Johnson and Scott are going to be cheap to sign for five-year deals. Just saying. Go to round five, pick 148. Noah Sewell, Oregon State, or Oregon linebacker. Kind of accolades at Oregon. Um, All-Pac-12 first team. All-Pac-12 first team all-conference. Butkus Award semifinalist and coach's choice for Pac-12 freshman defensive player of the year. So he is decorated. 2021, best season. 114 tackles, 8.5 tackles for a loss. Last year, 56 tackles and and five-and-a-half tackles for a loss. And that's probably why he fell so much in the draft. I mean, that's a much different production level from 2021 to 2022. Seven-and-a-half sacks in 33 games. Knows how to rush the quarterback. Apparently, the knock on him is that he can be a little shaky in pass coverage. And the Bears have already invested heavily in Tremaine Edwards and and T.J. Edwards. So we don't know how much playing time he's going to get. The Bears have obviously invested significant amounts of money in legit pros who have played the position at the NFL level. That's not to say, though, that this is a dumb pick or that he's a bust or that he won't work out. He's decorated. First of all, if somebody goes down, he's going to play. Chances are someone's going to go down. Secondly, based on these credentials and based on what happens in training camp, he may earn some playing time. The Bears could use somebody who could get to the quarterback because they didn't draft an edge rusher. They still need one. Linebacker and edge rusher are two different positions, but if he could apply pressure consistently to the quarterback, he will find time on the field, plain and simple. And if I were him, that'd be my mindset. What could I do to consistently apply pressure to the quarterback because that's the only way I'm going to get on the field right now? How could you beat out these free agents who are making tons of money? Show that you can rush the quarterback. There's a need for it for the Bears. Do it, and you're going to find time to play. Go to pick 165 to Ralph Smith, Minnesota quarterback. All Big Ten honorable mention this past year. 34 tackles, 38 total. Uh, four and a half tackles for a loss. Two sacks, two picks. Very diverse stat line. Bears scouts believe Smith has the smarts and the instincts to succeed in off-the-ball coverage, which the Bears like to deploy in their secondary. He was a backup in 2019 and 2020, lost his starting spot after his freshman year at Minnesota, but regained the starter role this past season. The Bears believe he's ascending. That's about it. We don't know too much about Smith, but I'll tell you what, those numbers are nice. Tackles for a loss, sacks, interceptions, a lot of tackles. And obviously, there is emotional maturity. You lose your starting spot in college as this big-time recruit coming out freshman year. You know, a lot of people would say, you know what, I, I'm going a coast or not in a good mood or I'm going to be relegated to the bench. He did enough hard work to re-earn his spot and get an opportunity and showed out this past season. So there's emotional maturity. There's an ability to overcome adversity there. And that's something that you're going to need in the NFL. People get benched all the time. How do you overcome it? How do you react to it? And somebody like Smith may react to it well and may work even harder to improve. So that's something you could take away from it right off the bat. A couple of more seventh-round picks. Travis Bell, pick 218, Kennesaw State, defensive tackle. Apparently has a unique pre-draft workout. Not too much else on Bell. And then finally, round 7, pick 258, Kendall Williamson, Stanford safety. Williamson joined Chicago (laughs) as a heady football player. The Stanford product was a Pac-12 All-Academic Honor Roll player. Earned first-team academic All-American honors in 2022. Kendall Williamson, the final pick for the Bears in round 7 at number 258. So that is the Bears' New roster, and that is what they're looking like after this draft. What does everybody think? Take a look at some of your comments here. Bear down, 1981. Love to Ralph Smith. Can't believe he fell that far. Ran 4-4 flat, big at 6-2, 215. I agree with you, Bear Down. And again, somebody who overcomes adversity. Somebody who understands what happens when you lose your starting spot, how to regain it, how to work hard enough to regain it, and then perform when you get it back. That could be a very sneaky yet good pick. Taylor Scott's a work in progress. I'm concerned for the lack of depth at the defensive end position. Yep, heard about that. Not too worried about it yet. <laughs> Let's see here. What else did everybody say? Lions picked up a running back first round. Yeah, the Lions. Um, Man, did not understand that pick. And I saw got a couple of fantasy football people I follow who are freaking out and all pissed off because now it's like, well, <laughs> who are you going to play on the Lions? Who are you going to run with? Because they got David Montgomery. Now they got this first round running back. They did trade DeAndre Swift, though. How about the Eagles getting DeAndre Swift in a trade? That is huge. Uh, good for the Eagles in getting that one done. I mean, that's huge for them. And guess what? It's because DeAndre Swift said that he didn't want to play there after they drafted Jameer, Biggs, or Jameer Gibbs. <laughs> DeAndre Swift told Lions he didn't want to play there after Jameer Gibbs' pick. So then what you do? Get to go to the Super Bowl uh, appearance team <laughs> that just made the Super Bowl. They're going to be a hell of a team. Again, um, that is huge for them. So maybe, I should say, (laughs) the Lions will have more of an opportunity to showcase their running backs. It's going to be David Montgomery and a rookie. My guess is this. David Montgomery is going to be forced out of his role very quick. It's not because David Montgomery sucks, but because fresh pair of legs, first-round draft pick as a running back, he's going to get some time, and Montgomery may be relegated to more of a side role, maybe might be regretting. Taking that opportunity, because here in Chicago, could have played, I'm sure, still could have kept his main role. The Bears would have brought in somebody like, you know, in the fifth round or fourth round, but it wouldn't have been a game changer or a game ender, or hey, you know, David Montgomery, you're done. Rashawn Johnson is going to really need to prove himself to earn time. Montgomery would have had an incumbency situation where I think he would have been okay. So might be regretting that decision now. The writing's on the wall for him, I would say, in Detroit before it even started. That's tough. (laughs) At least David Montgomery got paid. Well, he did, and there's even some guaranteed money in there for the second year of his contract. So he will be getting paid, and I guess that's all that matters to him. But as far as actually getting a chance to play, the Lions have told him and really told everybody, including Swift, which is why he left, he may not get too much time to play. And for some, that could be a tough realization. Take a look at more of these comments. Pickens was a high grade for me this year, says Joseph. He's a beast. His tape shows consistent pressures. Gets his hands up in pass lanes and attacks the rush. I think he's going to be solid. Rojo is the new Monty. Book it. Rashawn Johnson being the new David Montgomery, and that's what the comp is, draft-wise. That's what a lot of people are saying. And I think he is a good candidate as someone who's going to get significant time and opportunities to make it and to show everybody that he is the new Montgomery. I really think he's going to have an opportunity to do it because, again, Khalil Herbert's not going to replicate five to six yards per carry. And that's it. I mean, there's really nobody else on the roster right now who's going to be a significant player at the running back position. Johnson has all the room in the world to impress and get significant time week one. So really, now it stands on him. The Bears drafted him did their part. What's he going to do to prove that he deserves more time on the field? But I think he's going to be solid. The Bears did get good linebackers in free agency. They didn't really need many of them in the draft, which is why they kind of laid off the linebacker position. But for those of you... Just hopping in here on Sports Talk Chicago, my position is the following, at least, as far as the first-round pick goes. Dono Wright was the correct choice over Jalen Carter. So I hope everybody at least could see that idea. And I think overall for Ryan pulls if we're going to sum up what he did and give him a grade, I'd say A-. minus. A- minus is a fair grade for him. In fact, you know what? No. No. <laughs> I'm going to change it to an A, and here's why. Ryan Paul's got an A in this draft, again, and here's why. He already made trades before the draft that ensured a smooth draft. Remember, technically last night the Bears acquired D.J. Moore. They did. They gave up the first overall pick and went back to 9. Then they got another pick and went back to 10. They drafted something they really needed, offensive line help. They targeted the defensive tackle position, built the trenches up. They brought in somebody who could be David Montgomery asked for a quarter of the price and brought in a talented wide receiver with accolades who's just learning the position. This was an outstanding draft for Ryan Poles and the Bears. Outstanding. Outstanding. For those who disagree, just because of the whole Jalen Carter controversy, I ask you this, and I'll say this again. Do you really want somebody with that much baggage on your team when you could have drafted a sure thing, essentially, and right? The Bears drafted a sure thing in right. They didn't want to go with somebody with off-the-field issues, trouble, and 15 pounds overweight. Good choice on the Bears' part. Smart move. Ryan Poles did the right thing. And it furthers the notion that no matter who's in charge, no matter who the GM is, who the president is, who the head coach is, the Bears are a no-nonsense organization. They don't care about that. They don't have time for it. They don't want to tolerate it and deal with it. They don't want to deal with off-the-field crap. They've been up issues. (laughs) This team has too many issues to count. The last thing they need is somebody who's going to be a distraction off the field before even game one, and then for Ryan Poles, as a second-year GM to (coughs) take this big risk, swing for the patches and bring in somebody who's a troublemaker already. Just not a good idea. (coughs) Smart job by the Bears to stay away from Carter and draft what they needed. Not what everybody else wanted, what they needed. You can tell me Jalen Carter is such a generational talent, but I'll tell you what, I don't really see it right now. He has work to do off the field and work to do with his body before we could say, oh, my gosh, he's a generational talent. Watch out for Jalen Carter. I don't buy it right now. What I do buy is that Darnell Wright's going to protect his freaking quarterback and the Bears invested in their quarterback. Indirectly invested in their quarterback. Stuck up for Justin Fields. Gave Justin Fields a voice. Ryan Pulse said, you know what? I respect you as my quarterback. I'm going to go out and help you. Ryan Pace did nothing for Justin Fields. Even Ryan polls last year, we were wondering, why is nothing happening offensively? But this year, it's really been the Justin Fields offseason. DJ Moore comes in, the Bears trade picks, they bring in an offensive lineman who's never given up, who did not give up a sack in 2022. That's exciting. The Bears made the right choice. Appreciate all of you here tuning in with us. Um, Want to make sure we let you know, support our sponsor, Amish Country Farms, for the best Amish food in all of Chicago land. Hit them up today in Orland Park. Mother's Day Pie Order form is open there. Give them a call or stop on in. Tell them Sports Talk Chicago sent you. Can find us everywhere at Sports Talk Chicago. We are live on Twitch, on Facebook, and YouTube at Sports Talk Chicago. Follow me personally at John Z Sports wherever you are on social media. If you miss any of this show, don't worry we got the podcast up for you shortly afterwards as well. Apple, Spotify, TuneIn, Odyssey, iHeartRadio, and, of course, SportstalkChicago.com. Barelissimo here with us, by the way. Lissimo, great to see you from England. Hope you're doing well. Great to see we can let bygones be bygones. I know. I, hey, I remember you roasting me on Twitter before, but I love you, and I'm happy you're here. Bygones be bygones. I'm a man of forgiveness. He said this: Jalen Carter had three sacks, total five total tackles for loss for the season, despite playing uh, Sanford, Kent State, Mizzou, Mississippi State with zero O linemen. Meanwhile, Darnell Wright gave up zero sacks versus the number one pick overall last year, the first defensive end taken in the draft this year, et cetera. Justin Jones had three sacks in the NFL. Period. Yes, thank you, Barry. So, just some more confirmation at the Bears making the right choice there. Not taking Carter. Opting to go with right. Smart move. That's right. That's a good point. Uh, before we finish up today, I do want to say this. And, John, thank you for reminding me. I don't know if he's watching right now. But I was getting gas out in Aurora today and came out of the store, or, you know, out of the station, paid in cash. And I hear somebody yell, Sports Talk Chicago! Sports Talk Chicago! And I look over. Hey Zeus was filling up his gas tank in his car, flagged me down, and I go over him and we talked, and he was awesome. Um, it was so cool to meet somebody in person. I told him this is only the third time that's happened to me. Um, he was very gracious, very nice guy. We talked some baseball, talked about the L.A. Angels of all teams, and it was just so cool to get to meet somebody, a fan of this show, out in public, and I want to say this to all of you. Hey, if you see me somewhere, please say hi. I love meeting fans outside of this environment, outside of, hey, I'm in a studio, hanging out with John, looking at comments on a screen. It was awesome to see him in person, and uh, it certainly made my day. It was really fun to see a fan, to interact, and to talk, talk sports, talk shop. So I just want to give him a shout-out, and, John, I appreciate you reminding me because um, that was awesome, really cool. When I came in here... um, I told John, and he freaked out. I told my girlfriend, she freaked out. It was really cool, so it was awesome to see. And Barely CMO, I respect your grind, John. I apologize for any offense caused on Twitter. I'm taking ownership of my mistakes made. Hey, I I was actually just half kidding. Barely CMO, I don't really care. It's Twitter, right? But I appreciate the apology. No no harm, no foul, just messing around, having a good time. Um, But I appreciate you tuning in on today's stream. And David, great to see you. Yes, David from Australia. Yes, awesome draft. What success? Season is going to be so cool. I haven't seen you in a while, David, but I know we go back and forth on Instagram a little bit. It's great to see you hanging out with us today in the live chat. Uh, before we finish up today, I promised this at the top of the show, and I hope some of you are White Sox fans, or at least some of you are akin to what's going on over there. They're 7-21, and and we need to talk about what's going on with the Chicago White Sox. Now, we did last weekend when they were 7-14. and Another week, another seven losses, and another rant is going to come. <clears throat> let's dispel the myths first. Before we get into, hey, what the hell's going on here, let's dispel the myths. I want to read this out to you, okay, because I saw this on Twitter, and I just, frankly, freaked out. Oh, my goodness. Here we go. Quote, the bad habits that the White Sox learned under Tony Russa whether it was being overly aggressive at the plate or telling players not to run hard so as not to get hurt, have set this franchise back years. And now Pedro Graffol is tasked with fixing this. Obviously, this is somebody who has no idea what goes on with the White Sox. And I'm, not, I'm not saying I do. I'm not saying I'm perfect. But if you're going to sit here and blame a 7-21 performance on Tony La Russa, then unfortunately, I hate to break the news to you, you've been indoctrinated by the local media personalities here in Chicago. The machine, the political machine, as they say. Well, this is the White Sox talking point political machine here in Chicago. I hate Tony LaRusha. That's why they suck. That has nothing to do with anything. Tony's gone. He's been gone for six months. (laughs) That's not why this team sucks. They don't suck because Tony and the the influence of Tony is still there. No, they suck because they suck. These players can't hit. These pitchers can't pitch. Andrew Grafone cannot lead this team. Rick County, and Kenny Williams need to go. They've been there way too long and have done nothing to justify their jobs. That's why they suck. That's why. If I hear anybody say Tony LaBrusa again, I'm going to really lose it because he hasn't even been here. The White Sox are 7-21 right now. If you're going to tell me it's Tony La Russa's fault, you're crazy. Their best hitter is Jake Berger, who's a part-timer, really. It's not Tony's fault. Such a lazy argument. And I'm allowed to say that. You know why? Because everybody comes at me with lazy arguments about the Bears, lazy arguments about this team or that team. That's a lazy and dumb argument. If you're going to sit here and tell me it's Tony La Russa, He's the reason. The habits they learned are, are, are hurting them today. You're wrong. Completely wrong. It's not Tony who taught Luis Robert to not run out a small chopper right back to the pitcher. It isn't Tony. That's a Luis Robert problem. And there's a reason why he got benched for it. And I don't buy the excuse, oh, my hamstring hurts. I don't freaking play. Really? Your hamstring hurt? Did it hurt then or did it hurt before? Because you were hustling before when you played when you made contact, when you played a couple of plays in the outfield. So now your hamstring hurts and you can't muscle up enough energy to run down the first baseline to beat out a tapper in front of the mound that he could have beaten out. That was dumb. That was dumb. This is not a Luis Robert, or this is not a Tony La issue. Pitching? Lance Lynn and Dylan Sears are the only two who are somewhat league average. According to ERA+. I'm sorry, Lucas Giolito, excuse me. Lance Lynn still sucks. Had a good outing yesterday. Michael Kopech still sucks. Mike Clevenger has gotten beaten up. The Sox bullpen is horrible. Literally horrible. Looking at their bullpen right now, Aaron Bummer, Jake Diekman, Jimmy Lambert, Ronaldo Lopez, all ERAs above 6.75. Yikes. In the lineup, nobody's hitting well except for Jake Berger. Asmonte Grandal is about average. Same with Andrew Vaughn. Everybody else sucks. Oscar Colas has been a disappointment. Aloy Jimenez is hitting 187. Luis Robert is hitting 213 now. Elvis Andrews, 186. My goodness. And Tim Anderson is just about to come back today. I put this out on Facebook last night. Let me grab that post so I can read it to you. I was fed up, guys. Sorry. I I was just fed up with the slander surrounding Tony LaBrusia. It's now a performance-based issue for the White Sox, not a managerial problem. Last year, though, the same players put up the same underwhelming performances, and the result was a Tony La Russa smear campaign. Oh, as always, funny how narratives shift so quickly here in Chicago. They always do. One week, Matt Nagy should have been coach of the year. The next week, it's Matt Nagy should be fired. The week before, it was Mitch Trubisky is the problem. The week after, he's the solution. The week after that, we're running him out of town. Every single team at Chicago goes through a cycle of narrative shifts, and really, the top people in the media control them, and they do it because they're indebted to an owner or to a team. Everybody hated Mitch Trubisky. Ownership hated him with the Bears. They drove him out of town. Right now, the White Sox: Oh, I hated Jerry, or I hated Tony La Russa. Um Wasn't deserving to be here. Let's run him out of town. But now, who's the blame going to be on? Who's everybody going to blame now? And, and right now, it seems to be Jerry Reinsdorf and um, Kenny Williams, Rick Hahn. No blame on Pedro Graful who's the manager. And some blame on the players, but not too much. And then apparently still blame on Tony La Russa, who for all intents and purposes might as well be dead because he's not even on this team anymore. He has no tie to the White Sox whatsoever. But yet, for some reason, he's getting blamed for stuff. These White Sox fans, some of them at least, are so indoctrinated the mainstream media and what narrative they're pushing. Tony LaRusse has been gone. Okay, I want to make sure, let's make sure, breaking news, Tony LaRusse has been fired by the White Sox. Okay, She's been living under a rock for seven months. He's been off the team. He was, for all intents and purposes, fired. They've hired a new manager. <laughs> and the results are the same. We have to stop reverting to it's a Tony problem and start coming to the realization that these players suck. They were overhyped and oversold. Rick Conn deserves to go. Kenny Williams deserves to go. And maybe, just maybe, the White Sox should tear this thing down again. That's the problem. That's the uphill battle that White Sox fans chase. I know everybody wants a scapegoat. Whenever there's a big problem, everybody looks for one scapegoat to feel better about themselves and better about the situation. This is a team wide organizational failure. There is no one scapegoat. The players suck, so they're involved. Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams suck for overhyping said players. Jerry Reinsdorf sucks for hiring the wrong people and investing in the wrong players. Everybody's to blame top down, not just. It's Tony, but Tony's been gone for six months. Where's the logic in that statement? How could you blame somebody for something when he's been off the damn team? How is he responsible for this? And I know Tony as a person is not a great guy. I'm not defending him as a person. I'm defending his reputation as a Hall of Fame manager. Why is he in charge and in trouble for this team this year being 7-21? Did he coach a game for them this year? Did he show up in spring training and train anybody this year? Is he on staff in any which way? The answer is no. So then guess what? It's not a Tony problem. It's an organizational failure from top to bottom. The White Sox promote players to the fans who just suck, who have nothing behind them. We have been waiting We've been hearing the saying for five years. Hey, wait, watch out for Luis Robert. Watch out for Eloy Jimenez. Watch out for Oscar Colas. They'll blow. They're horrible. And a disappointment. We hear the same thing about these offensive players. Watch out for Andrew Vaughn. Why are they so intent on just promoting these guys who actually suck and have nothing behind them? There was a reason why Chris Bryant was hyped up, right? Chris Bryant, first first round pick by the Cubs, killed it in AAA, came up and killed it in the majors in the beginning. There was a reason why, to an extent, Javier Baez was pushed and promoted. (laughs) Great in the minors, came up, had to redo his swing, and for a couple of years there was good. Good. You have to have a reason to promote and excite fans about, pro- about a prospect. You can't just say, hey, we signed him and, oh, this might be nice, or, oh, we fleeced the Cubs and got Aloy Jimenez. Well, Aloy sucks. He was on the Cubs. He'd suck, too. In fact, he probably would, would have gotten hurt more often because the DH wasn't introduced in the NL till 2020. Hmm. This is a disappointment. This is a damn shame. And as we sit here today, there are still some who are sipping the Kool-Aid and saying it's a Tony La Russa problem. My message to anybody who makes that assertion, somebody like this guy on Twitter, huh, their username is hashtag White Sox and their profile name says sell the White Sox. Okay, Mr. Sell the White Sox, I'll tell you this. If you want to blame Tony La Russa for this year's team going 7-21, get a couple of screws loose in your head. There is no reason why a former manager who was essentially fired six months ago, who is 79 years old, should be blamed for this implosion of a situation. The Sox players learn bad habits. How about the Sox players just suck, and there needs to be some sort of change from the top down? That's the problem. Not Tony La Russa. What, the ghost of Tony La is haunting this team? Give me a break. It's ridiculous. No, they suck. Players are not performing. Front office is not caring. Annie Williams is in a bad place right now, and they blow, and things need to change. That's the problem. And any other suggestion otherwise is just Tony LaRusse's slander and hard feelings from the past couple of years. This guy wins the division in 2021, and we're blaming him now for going 7-21. and 21. Unbelievable. I've never seen such betrayal from a fan base. But that's because, from the beginning, nobody wanted to give him the credit. And people, there were some who were not happy the White Sox won the division in 2021. There were some who actually were not happy. They, they, were, they were hurt and torn inside, conflicted, because Tony La Russa led them to a division championship. All of you, I say, you're not a real fan then. And these are real people out there. And now you're going to tell me it's his fault the White Sox are losing. It's his fault they're 7-21. They picked up bad habits from him. Bad habits from him. Anything you pick up from somebody with that sort of knowledge and experience is good. Anything. I don't care what it is. It's just disrespectful to suggest otherwise. If I were a baseball player, young kid, if I were even a minor leaguer and Tony La managed me for one game, I would never forget it. Because I know I could pick up so much baseball knowledge and wisdom from a guy who's won multiple championships, managed all these superstars, is in the Hall of Frickin' Fame. It's actually irresponsible. And it's arrogant to say otherwise. It's arrogant to say they picked up bad habits from Tony. You don't even know what was going on in there every day. And slandering Tony, it just blows my mind. It blows my mind that we're sitting here today, even mentioning his name, number one, but number two, saying it's his fault for this team sucking. Wow. I mean, how much further can you sink? Obviously, you've been fed a lie, and I know who you've been fed it from. Mainstream media, same people who went on the air every single day last year, made a living off of bashing Tony. And really, it's, again, it's irresponsible and it's sad. It's really sad. Stop worrying about Tony. And about the past because the present fact is this team is 7-21 and with a new manager who for some reason is getting no blame because people are now starting to realize hey wait a minute maybe it's not the manager maybe it is the players or the GM or the president of baseball ops or the owner maybe it's not who's managing this team every day and I'll tell you it's very Surprising to me to see somebody like Rick Hahn still have a job after the non-accomplishments that he's achieved. They McKenney Williams. It's surprising that both of them are still employed, and I'm not going to sit here and say they need to lose jobs, but I, I am going to say this. It's very surprising that somebody who has not produced for that long still has the same position and actually got promoted because Rick Hahn was not the GM in the beginning. He was the AGM, the assistant. It is surprising to me to see somebody who's done nothing for 15, 16 years not only earn a promotion but still have a job. That's all I'm saying. Same with Kenny Williams, too. Now he comes out and says publicly, I'm in a bad place right now. Yeah, no blank. Everyone's in a bad place right now. Your team sucks, and you're 7-21. and 21. Of course you're in a bad place mentally or physically or whatever you're trying to say. Oh, things might need to change. Yeah, hell yeah, they do, Kenny. Yes, they do. And the sad part is, I was a sucker who bought in, because I like this team on paper. Before the season, we said it, if all these pitchers pitch according to their potential, this would be one of the top five rotations in baseball. And that's a fact still. Everybody could turn it around, but it's true. If everybody pitched to their potential, if everybody replicated their best season, this would be a top five rotation in baseball. If everybody came on offensively like they were supposed to, Vaughn, Robert, Colas, Jimenez, Johan stayed healthy, Tim Anderson stayed healthy, this would be a hell of a lineup too. The talent is there, but the production isn't. And now we're 30 games into a season, and they're 7-21, I mean, there's really not much left to do. Unfortunately, even if the White Sox make it to 500 by the All-Star break, they still might have to sell because they've just sucked so bad they have no chance of making the playoffs. And that's a shame for them, but it's the truth of the matter. It is just very sad. But you know what's more sad? The misinformation being spread or the false opinions being spread just the, the 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 wrong opinions being spread. everybody has their right to an opinion but doesn't have to be correct. I mean I'm going to criticize it and I'm going to criticize this. Stop blaming Tony for your problems. It's a you problem, not a Tony problem. Tony's gone. Tony's in Arizona relaxing not here not dealing with this crap show. He knows what's going on. He sees it from afar. And in fact, I'm sure he feels vindicated I wish I could get Tony on this show because I would I would ask him do you feel vindicated? about how this White Sox team is going right now. I would. I'd feel great seeing this happen. Forced out of Chicago, media hates me, everyone hates me, and then, oh, look, they're doing worse than when I was even there. This is a dumpster fire, and things need to change now. And everybody is accountable. Now, Tony, everybody currently with the team is accountable. This current team with this current staff and these Current players are not getting it done. And guess what? Something needs to change. And I end on that note with the White Sox. And I hope next week we have a better report about them. But until then, you got players not hustling out plays. You got the White Sox giving up 10 runs in one inning and losing a game that they were up on 3-0, losing 10-3. There are deeply rooted issues with this team. And all I can hope for is a complete overhaul and retool, because if not, this is only going to continue. Appreciate everybody tuning in with us here today on Sports Talk Chicago, a lively and exciting show, fast-paced. Big thank you to John Meadows, directing and producing, helping us out behind the scenes. We had a great time with all of you today. We encourage you to follow us everywhere at Sports Talk Chicago. Subscribe to the channel as we continue to get to 20,000 subscribers or 1,900 subs away. Every single subscription helps us to get to that number, so we'd really appreciate that. Support our sponsor, Amish Country Farms, and if you miss anything, remember, go back to the podcast at Sports Talk Chicago wherever you get your podcasts and also at sportstalkchicago.com. Corey and Joey will be with us this week to recap everything. We're going to be adding new shows as well, so stay tuned for the Podcast Network. And we will be back Thursday night to talk more Bears, more Cubs, more White Sox, and anything that's on your mind. Until then, stay safe. So long, everyone.